This machine kills fascists. place to bring it in. Mike, we've got a full, we have a, we have a full docket uh, on the schedule today. I came, yes we do. I came with an iPhone pad full of notes. Can, well, we should but start first, by saying hello. Hello. Welcome to Hot Little Takes. I'm Hot Mike. Little. I'm Christian. Huddle up. Still reporting from hell. This is our first episode after the election. And That's after true. our election predictions. That's which true. We're not entirely correct, but we were close. We figured that Trump would throw a fit. We were right. Yep. I think anyone with half a brain knew that was coming. We knew that the weeks following were going to be the problem. And here we are in the problem. In the problem. Yep. Waiting on those stimulus checks. Waiting for that government shutdown. Yep. Neither of which seem like they're going to be coming. Neither one of those are coming. But for God's sake, Mike, let us sit on the ground and tell sad stories of the death of kings. Yes, the hallowed halls. We're recording this on a Saturday. This is a w- about a week after the passing of one Alex Trebek, who meant more on a day-to-day level, I think, than just about any just about any any person outside of you know the news anchors that people appreciate. Yeah, he's on the the kind of Mount Rushmore of television that connected with all of us, like Mr. Rogers or yeah. Bob Ross or something like that. And he's been, he's been a huge part of our relationship, our friendship. And I think that, you know, we've seen all the, all the stories that have flown around for the last couple of days, and it's pretty much everyone is echoing everybody. It's like, this was the one show that I could always watch with my parents, and I watched every day for yep. 20 years. You know, you watch the local news. And the I always watch this with my grandma. Or... Yeah. And now I watch it at work every night. Like, it's... Yep. And I always, you know, like, we, we were talking about this the other day, just how, like, trivia culture is such an established thing now that, you know, there's literally companies that are like the Uber for trivia, you know. Right, yeah, there's no geeks who drink without Jeopardy. I didn't want to say it out loud. Sure. Because I don't think they deserve the... Yeah, fuck geeks who drink. Support your independent trivia. Yeah, it's not hard to be an independent trivia person. Yeah. There are websites and stuff where you can just look up quizzes. Maybe you're just really smart. Yeah, or maybe you know all that shit. Just like Alex. Yeah. Uh, Alex, man... Guy would show up early, fact check, go over his phonetic alphabet so he never mispronounced a goddamn, a goddamn thing. thing. The work that that guy put in, I mean, it is so clear. And we talk, we tried to record this podcast month a couple days ago and our batteries died. But the, I mean, the work paid off in that this was the most important institution in like American culture that actually celebrated knowledge. Yeah. Like, yeah you can't yeah. even like look at the university other than, other than think that. public libraries. Other than public said, libraries. In terms of accessibility. Yeah. You know, and making it, making learning cool, yeah, and making it seem not like an intimidating, impossible thing, yeah. but you know, there's always going to be a category that you know, you know, you'll get your category and you'll be aces on it, because everybody knows about something. That's a cool, like, Howard Gardner's theory of multiple intelligences type thing, where like, uh-huh. everybody's got right. 
somebody's got spatial intelligence and somebody else has mathematical intelligence and somebody right. else has nat- nature intelligence, you know, whatever, right. animal intelligence, emotional. Well, yeah. People have different skills and that's what's, that should be celebrated, you know. It's Absolutely. like Moneyball, that's how you make a team <laughs> yeah, that gets yeah. bases. Yeah, totally. You, know yeah, you, yeah, you buy runs. <laughs> uh, well, and to be a Jeopardy champion, you have to be a man for all seasons, which I think is something that Alex kind of embodied because sure. you know because he was so wholesome and wonderful that he would also like talk about drinking and you know we've seen all these clips flying around of him <laughs> sw- oh. swearing on the uh, outtakes and stuff like that sure. I mean like he's a Canadian Leo like me and I I really love him <laughs> I uh, really, he's a Leo he's a Leo he also studied philosophy which is the reason I love him yeah you know which <laughs> a, a rare case of somebody really succeeding with that background he studied yeah. broadcasting too but sure. And yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't really know how to eulogize him other than just like the sentimental. I'm gonna miss his presence so much. It was kind of weird this week watching the the episodes that they had obviously taped a couple weeks ago. Sure. You know, knowing no, now they that taped all of these. I, they taped enough to go through. We're gonna Christmas. be watching it on Christmas. And I think we'll, that, be, that we'll talk about that. And I think that, and I think those last ones that he filmed were like three weeks ago. Or something like sure. that. Like they really, like they really weren't that long ago. You know, I love to know that he got to see Trump lose. Yeah. But it's also like God's sick sense of humor to be like, "Oh, you all got to have a, a day of <laughs> yeah. a day of rejoicing." <laughs> it, it literally was like an eighteen hour period before I woke up and saw the news that. Yeah, like that. it was like it was like someone did like a a leg sweep on me. Yeah. You know, I just yeah. like hit the ground and I was like, "God damn it!" Like I held it together all day at work and then like walking back to my car, I was like, I'm so sad about Alex Trebek. Yeah, right man. Like, went home, got misty, you know, text, people were texting, I was going, I'm really sad about Alex Trebek, man. <laughs> I, like, it's affecting. It doesn't happen to me that often with, you know, this kind of thing. No, I can, I can like, count the celebrity deaths that, like, really affected me on, like, one hand, probably, and this is a... The well, one, the one that will come to mind first from now on. And we've been anticipating this, you know, but yeah. it's been a struggle knowing he has cancer, but also just seeing how he's handled it, you know. It so Chadwick inspiring. Bosman levels of like, I'm gonna go out with a dignity and mm-hmm. you know, in- inspiring people. God damn. I know. We usually don't get this schmaltzy on. I yeah. One, well, it's. I mean, you're sort of at a loss for words because it just is. It's like it's like someone's not you know gonna be around the dinner table. Right. Yeah, because Alex was around so many people's dinner tables. Yeah, like so we, quite we, literally. Yeah, we, we we uh, often just turn on Jeopardy when we're eating. You know, if we're not in the mood to do family chatting and stuff like that, it's like, mm-hmm. all right, let's just watch. My, and mom, it, my mom will have, like, yesterday's episode T-Bode, and what she a hasn't watched yet. it yet. <laughs> and, um, thank God, all right. Because <laughs> it's no back. fun to watch it with someone who's already watched it. Oh, yeah. That's but true. The, the great thing about that show is you can go back 20 years. Same show. Same shit, you know. Mm-hmm. It has I mean, exact I mean I'm effect. sure there's a few facts that have changed over time. You know, maybe some science, science is a good thing at updating itself uh, right. generally right you know, stuff right. like that right but, but i mean I, but i mean even just down to the like mechanics of the show the kind of soundscape is the same the color palettes have changed a little bit here and there but it, you know the, the 80s episodes are obviously a little more 
Yeah, they're a little more like stained glass. Coke influence. Cokey, yeah. <laughs> and now it's like Zola. Now it's slicker, yeah. <laughs> and and now and, it's and, an institution. Yeah, and I know that that isn't going to change, and I guess we can use this to segue. Yeah, we should go to that list. Uh, I know that the show isn't going to change, and and like Alex would say, like the show does all the work, which right. is you know obviously selfless thing of him to say yeah he like we said he would also show up early do fact checks learn the phonetic alphabet he would talk to he'd do q and a's with the audience uh-huh. you know all the time i mean i'm sure he answered the same fucking questions over and over again and just was happy to do it because yeah and he, i think he clearly was he's like i am the host you're in my house my job is to make you feel comfortable you know and really embodied that uh, spirit of being a host. Yeah. So what we so what we want to talk about now, and this will maybe perk us up a little bit more. Well, at least this will be funny. So the obvious question that I know that the I know the people at CBS like are not in any rush to figure this out, and I don't think anyone. I think they might have already figured. I'm out. sure. Yeah, I bet that this. I is, think. This, I'm sure. I this think has been that decided. this was figured out already. And we're obviously talking about who the next host of the show is going to be. Yeah. How can you replace? How can you replace those that giant Canadian shoes? Right. I don't know what makes them Canadian shoes, but, you know. I'd, lo- I'd love to find out that, like, all of his clothes were from, like, this tiny Ontario tailor. I'd love to find out that his tailor's like, I had to really widen the inseam on one side because this guy was just swinging such a massive hog down the street. The man had joie de vivre, I mean. Joie de vivre. It doesn't come from nothing. <laughs> yeah, it comes around <laughs> a giant hog. So, I mean, the man's brain was a hog. Okay. So we got so so we have the Vegas odds for who the next host might be, but before before we do any of that, I mean, we're on the record on this podcast of already saying that we think that there's no there's no better person who could step in than Ken Jennings. Yeah, he's like, the mo- he's been on more episodes than anyone else. He has kind of the most iconic presence of any of any contestant. He's won the most money, and he just he's won the, the goat. goat. And he's the goat. He, he is the goat. Yeah. I think we talked about how it almost seemed like whoever won that, sh- like they should have set it up like that whoever been- won that is going to be the next host of Jeopardy. <laughs> and yeah. Alex holds his hand up like fucking Rocky in the yes, center of the exactly, ring. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I do wish that that had, that that had happened. Yeah, because we talked about how James just doesn't have the stage presence, and you know nobody really knows who poor. E- or poor Edith is, or whatever. Yeah, no one cares, and he, and he, I don't think that that guy would have liked it either. I'm sure that he has some weird consulting job that he's like, I couldn't leave this. Ken's the only person who it's like, I became who I am a second time. Like, he was, re- he seems like a guy who was reborn. Well, and it you also know, seems... new baptized by Trebek and Jeopardy. L- like, like, from the moment he became established as, like, a figure associated with the brand Mm. you know when he had his run i mean Mm. i don't know if some people remember what that was like like his run on jeopardy was crazy and it was the first time i think anyone had really done that oh man like that i mean i mean i was until james came around like but that but it was different you know different type of well and it was ken just knows the answers Yes. <laughs> he wasn't he wasn't playing the odds. He yes. just knows everything. Yeah. It's unbelievable. And that was a different time too, because what was that, 2003? 2005? 2002? 2004? 
Yeah, something like that. It was in a it was in a much simpler America, so I think that that could captivate the imagination of the yeah. of the country a little bit more than it did when James went on his streak. Even though we obviously got pretty excited when it happened. Sure. So it was just different different energy. So we're here for Ken getting the appointment. Yes, he's he's earned it. I think he could be really funny. It's uh, I think he would get he'd get the hang of it, you know, mm-hmm. and probably grow into it really well. Yeah, once he grays and he, like, puts on some circle glasses. Oh, my God. You know? He's going to look like Atticus Finch. Oh, yeah, man. Totally. Oh, my God. So he's the, so he's the, <laughs> he's the significant <laughs> Vegas favorite right now at plus 100. So, I mean, you can still... Great. You can still get a profit on Ken, but, I mean, like, it's... It'll be an emotional one because you're happy that that's the right choice. That's the profit. Yes. So... After after Ken, the list the list just kind of breaks wide the fuck open. The article that was being shared was LeVar Burton, which I think is like... Do we want to talk about this? Well, here's what I, I was going to... I'd save for you is I was going to do my... Yeah. Oh, that's right. You have a... Yeah. Uh, oh, what was it now? I have to remember. It's, people who don't, it's, it's people who don't fucking watch Jeopardy that think LeVar Burton should host Jeopardy. It'd, it'd be like LeVar Burton being like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I can't. Yeah. You're gonna just, just cut. Are you gonna do this. your Star Trek confession or your I was gonna do my reading rainbow, rainbow, but I forgot like what the setup was. Like I had a thing like two days ago when we were gonna record this that was like. Oh, you had a good joke. Yeah, or it was like you know the okay. Jeopardy answer. Okay, but, well, like red as <laughs> red as reading. Just imagine Levar Burton in his reading rainbow voice doing a typical Jeopardy well, question. Like that's well, pretty funny. If at any point in the night that but it would back, be if that if, if that comes back to you, I think everyone out there can make their own version of that. <laughs> yeah, right now. send us send us your versions of Levar Burton as doing Jeopardy. The answer is so Levar is at plus five hundred, not bad odds. He's right next to one George Stephanopoulos, who's also plus five hundred. And if that happens, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna. I don't know. <laughs> I, I think a lot of these are totally inappropriate. A like, lot of these are totally like, inappropriate. What the fuck would? I mean, Alex's background is in broadcasting and philosophy. You're gonna have a hard time finding that. But right, and there are some of those people. So, do you want some of those people that are on this list? Yeah, let's just well, let's just t- jump around. Give me whatever. Uh, John, like. John Stewart's on this list. That was the one that plus I thought 4, was cool. I thought but I think that, that, that he cool. hasn't. I think that he's gonna have a new show coming out on Apple. I think I heard that somewhere. He should do something. Uh, Wolf Blitzer's on this at plus tw- at plus tw- a, at plus twenty eight thousand plus twenty eight hundred. Yeah, for anyone who doesn't know, Google uh, Wolf Blitzer getting his ass beat by Andy Richter on Je- Celebrity Jeopardy. It is amazing, and because ama- Andy Richter, Andy Richter, no is bullshit, a smart, yeah. smart cat. Yeah, and he funny no people bu- are smart. He no bullshit is winning like forty three thousand to negative. Like three fifty. Wolf or like Blitzer is like, what is a cat? And they're like, no, Wolf, that's a dog. <laughs> like he's a fucking idiot. Like his whole career is like having a beard and like hiding behind it, and being like, my name's Wolf. I'm on the spot. James is plus twenty five thousand. Just for the record, Katie Couric is on this list at plus twenty thousand or plus two thousand. What she's doing there? I saw Piers Morgan. I was like, what the fuck is he doing? Ugh. I, ugh. Nobody wants Ugh. Piers Morgan. Nobody wants a British guy to take over Jeopardy. I will lose one. my fucking mind. All right. I love you Brits, but this is an American institution. Yes, it is. You know, we're not going to go... I've also never seen a British dude play one. We're not going to go buy corgis and wear a crown and, you know, walk into your house. Piers Morgan's a fucking douchebag. 
go he's a fucking go u.s women's soccer it was so sick when they beat england and he just like wet tears on twitter uh howie mandel is on this at plus four thousand hate that uh jane lynch is also on the list of i will lose my fucking mind i think a lot of these i just would hate i think everybody would generally reject a lot of these Al Michaels is on this list at plus 66,000. <laughs> oh, no, just 6,600. Al Michaels is the... Uh, he does, like, Monday Night Football and stuff. Sure. Okay. And he always... He, I was, that's he, like, he, he talks about guy. He talks about the gambling, the, the money lines, and the over-unders all the time, so I think he's funny for that. The real star on the list, to me, and we already talked about this, is at plus 6,600... Rosie Perez. <laughs> I would love it if it were Rosie Perez. So, okay. And here's Rosie a... Perez, John Stewart, and uh, Andy Richter are the only ones that would make me happy, I think. Richter's not even on this list, but it's like... Andy Richter would be great at it. Oh, yeah, he really would be. But so would Rosie Perez. Especially yes. now. Yeah. So here's what I can kind of see. Oh, my God, see. Rosie... Rosie would Rosie, be so good! Rosie, you gotta call your agent. Yeah. You gotta get on it. Or at least, you know, it'd be fun if they did have, like, guest, you know, hosts the way that, you know, old Tonight Show, Steve Martin's hosting or whatever. That's exactly what I was Energy. gonna say, is that I bet before you see the new permanent host, you see kind of a... Uh, Auditions. You see, yeah, you see kind of a If you door. like tonight's host, text one to I, I doubt I doubt that they'll do that, but I'm sure that they're... They'll get uh, they'll get a bunch of like the people who are on this list out of there. Like sure. like I can totally see Al Michaels hosting for one night, Neil deGrasse Tyson hosting for one night. Sure, I can see a lot. Because these are a lot of people that like come up in the video categories. Yes. You know which yes. I which I always hate because it takes up more time. Is and that your least and, favorite part of the show? Yes. Um, the video categories. Not always, but when it's a celebrity, yes, because then they're ads and they like. Just right. like I, just like I say in my new book, right. I blah, 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 and I those kind of drive me nuts. Sure, although it'll be like on a cruise line the whole time. Yeah, but if it's like one of the, like the, but if it's like one of the weird Jeopardy research assistants, and they're like, we're in Mykonos, and blah, oh, blah, yeah. blah they're yeah. like, we're in an active volcano. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, those yeah. are cool. Those are cool. I hate the interviews where Alex is like. So I understand that you uh, have a fucking boring, stupid story that you're about to act like anybody gives a fuck about. Let me do this three times in a row. All right. I think that they're good. They're good when someone's been winning. I like when he is asking someone like their fourth or fifth question. What it's would your funny. story be? Oh my god, I've never thought about it. What's like? A f- in- what's a crazy thing that happened to you one time? I don't know if it could be anything I share on Jeopardy, but I would try to tell Alex. Well, the kinds of stories they tell. Well, I'm sure. Well, he us. brings up people's occupation a lot, and he. So I understand that. It. I understand that you uh, were compared to the lead in Twilight when you were younger. <laughs> That's right, Alex. <laughs> That's right, Alex. On my 24th birthday, I was actually at a beer festival uh, near my apartment downtown, and uh, my friend was taking a picture of me and another friend. And while we did that, this drunk girl ran in front of us, got on one knee, and screamed, "Team Edward!" <laughs> Oh, I guess uh, she must have not been a, a Team Jacob fan then. No, not the first time it happened to me either, Alex. All right, all right, great story. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> and that's like in the long category, and that's going to leave a couple of questions on the board, and that drives me crazy. Yes, those will, I'm like, pick it up, we got to move this along. Ask me, say, so I understand that you 
went to... Don't tell me what to ask. No, no, you got to set me up. Say, say, I understand you had an interesting experience at a zoo. Is it right that you had an interesting experience at a zoo? That's right, Alex. When I was a kid, we went to uh, the zoo in Bismarck when we were visiting my grandmother on my, on my mother's side, and we witnessed a camel give birth. Ah, uh, North Dakota. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> the only camel that had ever been in North Dakota. <laughs> Until that second one showed up. <laughs> alright, alright. <laughs> well, I... <laughs> I mean, I guess that's the Jeopardy segment. I don't. I never want to leave it, because... I know, we could talk about Jeopardy for days. Maybe we should just do a, another separate podcast. That's a separate that. one, maybe. But, uh, before we... We want to put... Uh, we want to put... Oh, that's right. We want to... This is how we... We have a whole thing, you guys. Mike and I are starting... We've talked for a long time about a Mount Rushmore or a Hall of Champions. Yeah, Mount Rushmore feels a little too... Um, taken. Well, and a little too, like... Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Whatever. Uh, but yeah, Hall of Fame. You know. Yeah, and as everyone knows, we like farm animals. We talk hogs. Types of cows are always, Types of cows are are always a good subject. <laughs> and we love a goat. And Alex is a goat. And we'd like to welcome today as the, the first inductee. The seminal. Goat patch. <laughs> Member of the goat patch. Here we are, baby. We salute you. I'm gonna put some goat sounds and shit. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're having fun. Hell yeah, the goat patch. Yeah. So we'll we'll start. We'll pr we'll probably backtrack and do a whole uh, goat patch ceremony where we bring in three or four people. Yeah, we know some people we've mentioned on this show many times that we're fans yeah. of that you know should become inductees. Absolutely. But. Nobody deserves the honor of being the first, other than more than more than Alex. More than no, no. So, we just put a little picture of him on the wall <laughs> for all of you listening. <laughs> there, you, there it is. <laughs> yeah. Do we want to? So we are, we are we're gonna induct two people to the Go Patch tonight. Do you want to talk this now, or do you want to take a break? Up to you. Not helpful. Uh, let's just let's do it now. Okay. Let's do it now. I'll cut all that stuff. So, so we're gonna bring in a second member of the Go Patch right now. Yeah, we didn't we didn't really plan the way we were gonna do this ceremony. It's really off the cuff. Yeah, I mean, as far as ceremonies goes, we hung up the picture. What else do you want us to there do? There it is. I got the goat sounds. Yeah, I'll hang up the second one. So, there. what do you? How do we want to talk about this? So the next, with no further ado, the the next inductee to the Go Patch is one David Chappelle. The who, great Dave Chappelle. The great Dave Chappelle, who since he hosted SNL last Saturday, I've had just a wonderful reconnection. Because when 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 did the stand-up specials come out? Two years ago. I guess um, he had one. I guess he had one I last year. I think one every year. Okay. Yeah, I think he made a deal to make like three or four or something sure. with Netflix. So it's been it's been good to have him mostly back. And the Letterman thing came out recently. But yeah, watching rewatching the show, getting to rewatch Chappelle's show, which was such a big 
fucking deal when it came out? It it shaped like my entire personality when I was thirteen years old. Yeah, I think it ch- shaped like our entire generation's sense of humor. Absolutely. And sense of like art as social justice a little bit, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, he's like yeah. never been shy about. I mean the the episodes are so crazy to watch right now because they really feel. I mean, they feel so much more prescient than any sketch you might see on Saturday Night Live, which we can talk about his SNL job last week, too, where he called the show out pretty much directly for that. Oh, for not being funny? Yeah, and, and for, for being a, trying to be a woke too, fest. Getting too offended and stuff. Right, and the, I mean, the Chappelle show was like a woke fest if you had a fucking clue. <laughs> that's, the, that's the issue with it, where I see, like, people who... Like, some of his stand-up specials are like, See, Chappelle agrees with us right-wingers that people should stop being snowflakes and we should be able to make racist jokes and stuff. <laughs> and it's kind of the same mentality of, like, We used to have blazing saddles, and, yeah. and we could sure. make these kind of jokes, and now snowflakes can't handle it. And you're like, Blazing Saddles was written by Mel Brooks and Richard Pryor. Like, it wasn't written... In a vacuum. Yeah, it wasn't written in spite of the It was, Yeah, like, it's very self-aware, and that's, like, you're just... You don't have a sense of satire, you know, about this stuff. Yeah. And Chappelle's shit was always, like, really laden with that, and that was part of the reason he left, is he was like, am I... Yeah, that's part of the reason he left the fucking country. Yeah, he was like, (laughs) am I encouraging stereotypes more than I'm taking them down? Yeah. You know? And... Which is a totally legit dilemma for a guy like him to find himself in. Yeah, I mean, when you when you're at the level that that show is at, you yeah, know, I and mean, people he, just aren't smart enough to know that you aren't an actually fucking racist or whatever. <laughs> he's a fucking icon. Yeah, he's amazing. He's a fucking icon. I think he's like one of the greatest comedians, maybe the greatest comedian of Gen X. Uh, wow, I guess, I mean, looking back at it, yeah. You know? Because who else hasn't turned into just, like, I mean, I, I'd say a couple of the other guys who were in the running are, like, guys Spade. who've passed away, like, sure. Hedberg and, um... I think we've, we've eulogized Hedberg. Bill Hicks too. is probably a little older, but... Yeah, he's older. They probably still qualify as the same generation, even though that shit's all made up. But yeah, Chappelle's... You know, it's the okay. Got few few equals. Yeah, and going back to what I haven't, I was t- telling you this before we started. I have not like fucking laughed out loud as hard as frequently as I have rewatching the Chappelle. I think I just finished the second season last night. Like I pretty much just like freebased the whole thing as quick as I could. Sure. And I like it fucking kills me. That's the baddest motherfucker I've ever seen in my life. Dude, just the like. <laughs> And what's so funny is, like, the production quality of those skits is, like, not always... It's shit sometimes. Yeah, it, that's not where the value is. Like, I just watched the one last night where he shows the sketches that they, like, kind of abandoned. Because he's like, these just fell apart and here's just, like, random, like, the Nelson Mandela boot camp where it's, he's like, <laughs> and we have, like, a 16, we have, like, an eight minute se- sequence of Nelson Mandela just kicking the shit out of these teenagers. <laughs> And you can see, like, the crummy way that they light it sometimes, and, like... Well, they were clearly, like, having fun 
filming yeah. and making themselves laugh. Well, and they were making that show like on the week because he, or, or they might, I should look up the, how the, what the production was exactly. I think, but like in through the course of the second season, he'll be like, people yell at me in the street the lines from the show. So clearly, they things have. Aired. I think that all the sketches are filmed before the season, and then he's doing the live. He's doing the live. The thing. live stuff yeah, that's every true. week. That's true. I, I think he'd do like some stand up and stuff for that house. Yeah. It was a really clever kind of move back then, too, watching it, seeing how he, they wouldn't have to film the first half of a sketch that was a setup a lot of times, because he'd just right. go out there and be like, all right, here's the setup, right. now let's show you the punchline. Right. And it's just some ridiculous, funny shit that they, like, had fun filming, and you know, seemed totally inappropriate, basically. <laughs> and, like, let's see if we can get away with this. And it was the same kind of era that South Park was blowing up. Yes. So Comedy Central was, like, boundary-pushing We were, We talked about this, too, about how on. we kind of want the book on Comedy Central and the, like, the whole story of that network, because I'd be fascinated sure. to know. Because this was also, we talked about this was the... Like the, like the Rolling Stones history. Yeah, exactly. Vibe. And, like, this was the Not My Bush show, which I don't know who remembers the weird I George re Bush parody sitcom. Yeah, that it was like, it came out like... In his first term. Yeah, like... <laughs> I think. Maybe within, a, within a year of 9-11, Iraq war shenanigans. Well, I guess it took, I, it, I took, it, was, it took a little minute I think to, it was a little later than that. to pick up. But what the fuck? <laughs> I think that's insane. Why didn't someone do that during the Trump administration? That would have been a great idea. It's too obvious and too easy. Yeah, I did yes. tell you, didn't? Did you watch that thing I sent you? The South Park guys have a thing on YouTube now. The deep fake show. It's a, and it's a bunch of deep fake like comedy it's sketches. So crazy and it's looking. hosted by Donald Trump's face, being this like. He's, he's like, sassy, I'm sassy. And he's got like a weird little wig, but it's just Donald Trump's face, deep faked. And he's like a, he's like a news guy. And then they'll cut to, like there's like a dialysis machine ads that look like they're used car salesmen kind of shit. And it's yeah. like Mark Zuckerberg being like, come on down, get your dialysis machines. Those guys are fucking like, G's. <laughs> it's fucking great. I wish I could remember what it was called, but look it up. There's, yeah. It's really great. So, what are your, so what are your favorite sketches? I'll, not I'll, like, in, not in any ranking order, but what are the ones that... I think, like, the best one of all time has probably got to be the black white supremacist. Like, that's the first episode, and it just, like, blew it up. It, it sets the fucking tone of the room. Yeah. <laughs> it's you a tone know. setter. And then, really, the the only one that really overshadows it, kind of in terms of, like, everyone's memories, I think, are the Charlie Murphy, you know, the Rick James bitch was, like, Borat levels of quotability at that yeah. era. Like, every... I mean, Chappelle, that, that's what Chappelle I think talks people... about going to, like, Disneyland. He's like, can I just go out with my kids without you people walking up to me and saying, I'm Rick James, bitch. He's like, god damn it, dude. Unity! <laughs> it's cold darkness. Oh, my god. Well, Fuck your but, couch. But also, the, the Rick James sketch is the entire 20 minutes. Like, that's, like, yes. a, like a short film that yeah. they do. Yeah. <laughs> he, the, prince one, fucking, the Prince one's not that long. It's not as long, but, what, dude, when he kicks Rick James in his, like, little Kermit body. <laughs> oh, he kicks him in the chest. <laughs> Sorry, Charlie. 
Oh my god. Uh, and then they just do a bunch of coke together and call it a night every single time. They like fight, party. <laughs> and then the cutting to the real Rick James is like the cherry. It's like it's he's, incredible. He's like cocaine's a hell of a drug, you know, or like <laughs> that's just what me and Charlie used to do. Like, <laughs> God damn! And to look at those two guys, and you're like, Charlie Murphy looks about twenty years younger than Rick James. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> because uh, he stopped doing so much fucking coke. R. I. P. To Charlie Murphy as well. Yeah. Uh, he talks about in the third season how thanks to that show people don't just know him as Eddie's brother. Eddie's brother, yeah. It's he would have been great in uh, in Dolomite. He would have been somebody mm, in that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Damn. He would have been craft services or something. I think he would have had a lot of roles that Terry Terry Crews Terry Crews has got. Sure, sure. Maybe take some parts away from uh, Craig Robinson. Yeah, yeah. He's like a mix of those vibes. You I don't know? know that guy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just a little drive by yeah, there. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, I rewatching. I I had forgotten about the trading spouses sketch. Those that one's really funny. That yeah, one has one of my, like, do you mind if I pull my penis through the, the, the hole in my pajamas? Titty residue. The line. His white guy is so so fucking funny. The line that I rem- that I had just completely forgotten about that was my fucking favorite in middle school is when <laughs> when he's in the the couple's therapist office and the the white woman leaves and he's like, "All right, I'm gonna tell you right now, I ain't crazy. I don't need no psychiatrist. And if you ever tell anybody I've been in here, I fucking kill you." It's confidential here, Leonard. I won't tell anyone. It's just between us. Well, then confidentially, I am crazy. And I'll fucking kill you. Well, it's been a wild and... He has the fucking Newport hanging out of his mouth the whole time. Yeah. I like when he takes the kid down to the hood. (laughs) Get your ass out of the car. (laughs) Little fucking white kid. Oh, fuck. The uh, Player Haters Ball I watched the other day, and that one still makes me laugh. That one's great. And the one that they just do where they... That's on, like, the failed sketch episode where they tried to do a Player Haters ball episode where they like travel through time and it's like this really long sequence of them like <laughs> kicking the shit out of Hitler and stuff. That would have been, see I mean, picture the fifth season of that show. Right. Where it's like, play a hate is in space. Yeah, and it's, you know, yeah. like, it's, that, that show. He got out just in time to like make himself a fucking legend. Oh, yeah. Where everyone was like, you were the number one thing yeah. in the world. It's and like you the... like walk out on it. And then come back 20 years later as, like, uh, down from the mountaintop, like, yes. Moses energy. Yes! And, it, you know, and it had it back then, and this is another thing that we talked about before we started, was the the musical guest that he brought in set the tone for that, too. Having yeah. Having guys like Mos Def and, and Mos and Talib Kweli coming in together, doing the, that piece that they do, the What Is Beef thing... Yeah. Like, really kind of shook me the other day, and I was like, man, I forgot how much this, like, formed the way that I wanted all hip-hop to be when I was in the school. And most def just, like, in the car, around. and he does the Umi Says thing. Yeah. Oh, my God, it's so good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, you know, it was well, crazy seeing the vintage Kanye really in there, too, with the backpack. with that, like, do you remember when he did that big backyard, like, hip-hop Yeah, the show? block party. Yeah, yeah, the block party thing. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. that was, like, kind of his comeback... Yeah, show but, yeah. after walking away like that was a big fucking deal that was we, a big we fucking were excited deal. about yeah that. I, th- I think i was 
I'd like to rewatch that. I haven't, I haven't seen that since that came out, I don't think. Yeah, and there was, like, some stand-up and stuff, but it was mostly, like, you know, and now Erica Badu, and, you know, that kind of thing. Like, he put on, like, a fucking... Yeah. Like, a bitch-in-one-night show. Yeah. Having, you know, having those deaf around is always a... It's always gonna get... A, a two thumbs up for me. Most F is so also, fucking funny in the racial draft sketch. Amazing actor. He's so good. The racial draft one is so funny. <laughs> the black delegation. Uh, oh, wait a goddamn minute, Rondell. I always gotta. I always am like, he needs to act more. He's so good in Hitchhiker's Guide. Oh, so good. He's, he's good. he's good in the Italian Ford job. Prefect. Yeah, he's great. He plays a. Uh, he plays Chuck Berry in the Cadillac Records movie, and he's really oh. good. He's great. More, more most deaf, please. Yes, please. I'd put him in the patch too. But we'll, we'll come back around to that. Do you have anything? Do you have anything also, else? Also, more Chappelle playing. More Chappelle, man. Yeah, I know. We t- we talked before. Oh, do you want to talk about the SNL sketches quick before we take a break? Oh, yeah. The the <laughs> monologue was great. It should have just been an hour and a half of that. Him him smoking. Also, I was when I watched that. I don't think I've ever seen him in a suit. That wasn't like in a sketch. Hmm. I hadn't thought of that. It was kind. It was really kind his, of like his uh, demeanor has like changed so much when watching those old ones. When he's just kind of like skinny and goofy <laughs> he's and so funny. and happy, and it makes me think of like how happy I was ten years ago, yeah. and then how probably fucking cynical I'll be ten years from now. Like his voice, the yeah, I mean he's a heavy smoker, but the register of his yeah. voice has changed so much. His like his physicality and his energy is just so much more focused and geared at like. Yeah. Yeah, he's like fuck, fuck this, fuck yeah. that. He's like season sixteen LeBron for sure. Yeah, and man, the guy's still gonna be going. I mean, hopefully for a long time, like, cause we need guys like that right now. Absolutely. You know, that's what that was another thing that just all of this happening right now was like, oh my god, this is the voice of clarity that we needed was, you know, yeah, Charlie like, Charlie Murphy. And- yeah, I want I want <laughs> John Stewart and Dave Chappelle to sit down and just like be mom and dad to America right now and like <laughs> you know John Stewart can be like okay I have some good news and Chappelle can be like but I have some fucking bad news but the, but the rest like, of it here's is what news. it is yeah. you know and like here's how we deal with this America put on your fucking masks you like you like the Aunt Jemima sketch the Aunt Jemima was like a classic Chappelle classic Chappelle sketch. sketch yeah, yeah. Absolutely. That was the only one I liked. That it was I that was like the, the, some of the most hopeful I've ever felt in my life. Was like, oh my god, is this whole episode gonna be like this? I think it was and like, it was oh, like, it's absolutely time, not. It's time for the one yearly good SNL sketch. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why that Alec, one was really funny. I'm not sure why Alec Baldwin was in that sketch. Oh, I almost didn't even remember that he was in that. I I fucking <laughs> I had I gotta love Keenan, man. Guys kept that show on the air for ten years. He's been on like, way longer. I now. have so many nieces and nephews. <laughs> that shit killed me, man. And the anytime I can be like busting out loud laughing. Yeah, that's. <laughs> it's been like a really surreal week in uh, laughing out loud at things I'm watching. It's yeah, crazy. Alone. Yeah. Which is a weird thing too, like because I right. think everyone's tendency to it changes when. Well, you're fuck, in, we know that dude. Crowd. We've done plays to three people and plays to five hundred people. And the, oh the, yeah. The big houses just laugh more. It's <laughs> true. It doesn't mean that you're any better, but so they do the laugh drunk a lot ones. more. Yeah, the drunk ones are too. Big and drunk. That's how I like them. If you have four drunk people in the audience for Troilus and Cressida, they're gonna fall asleep. Yeah. But or, if they're drunk, they're gonna love it. Yeah. I mean, if there's or someone will if throw up everywhere. 
That happened too, Alex. That's what I would tell him. The one time I was doing a play and someone threw up on stage. And he goes, oh, one of the actors? And you go, no, one of the audience members. Well, that's no good. <laughs> well, you can't do much You can't do much to plan for that, can you? Mm-mm. I would have loved to see Alex acting back in high school. Same with Dave Chappelle. What, like, what, like weird college plays were both of those guys in at some point or another? You know? I'm sure that Trebek, like, played Romeo at some point. You, I sent you that picture from that first, like... With he- that voice? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, Juliet. Juliet. It's got that, like, Robert Goulet vibe. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna start singing. <laughs> I would have loved to see Alex doing some lounge lizard shit. Oh, yeah. I was flipping through his filmography the other day, and he's obviously, like, played himself on the show in, like, it's, like, 20 movies or 30 movies or something like that, and I was like, no one ever thought to give him, like, a couple lines as just another kind of guy. He was always playing himself, man, because Jeopardy was, like, such yeah. a, you know, I sent you... The, this, like, Instagram video, and it was, like, seven, seven videos, it was, like, ten minutes long or whatever, just a dream sequence from the Golden Girls. Oh, yeah, that's so, that is so fucking funny. And, like, and it made me laugh, because the very first category that... Is cows! Is cows, and it's just, uh, Betty White's character knows, knows types of cows. Amazing. Which is an old warm-up we used to do. Amazing stuff. I think we've talked about that like twice. In Types minutes. of cows, man. Always funny. Well, that's a, that's a nice place to take a break, getting back to the farm animals. I hope everyone enjoyed our first uh, goat patch ceremony. Yeah, just picture like little Chappelle. Okay, we made like, um, you know how there's like those pin the tail and the donkeys? Yeah. We made two of those, but they're goats, and they've got Alex and Chappelle's pictures pasted Yeah, just picture those guys as little, cute little goats that live forever, just wrestling around this nice little patch. We give them all kinds of cool hay to eat. I bet those two have some pretty interesting conversations about being goats. That's so funny. They're like, wow, I'm really... At a certain point, they're like, is anyone else getting in here soon? Yeah, we're gonna add more goats. Yeah, the goat patch is gonna grow. The goat patch is gonna grow. Won't be just dudes either. No. Uh, you know, we'll run the gamut. Yeah. The living, the dead, the legends, mm-hmm. the the legends to be. The clowns, the fools. Yeah, the ones who will make you cry and break your heart. and but no dinguses. Maybe a couple of dinguses. I beat my dick like it owes me money. So we're back. We started we started this episode with kings. Yes. We're going to end with queens. Hell yeah. The queen. The queen. Beth Harmon in your pawn section. Greatest chess player to have ever graced the earth. So we're talking Queen's Gambit. This show's been out for what, two weeks? Three weeks? Three weeks. It's like the number one show on Netflix around the world. If you haven't watched it, go watch it because you should. It's good. If you have, you'll like listening to us talk about it anyway. And it it probably is, like, the show of the year, right? Yeah. It's gonna get some Emmys. This is, I mean, High Fidelity, I had such a close relationship to, and I loved it so much, but this seems like it is 
not you know no chess. This is this is playing the Italian. The Ita- is that what the the defense? Oh, the move. Is? Yeah. I don't know all the damn defenses. <laughs> that's the, that's there's the one. A, there's that... a lot of like just ch- hardcore chess stuff. There is a lot of hardcore chess stuff, and that's one of if the things. If you were, if you are a big chess fan, like this seems like a great show for you. A great. That's gotta movie. be crack. Yeah, it's based off of a book by the guy who wrote The Color of Money and other things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, came out in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And I know he was like a class C or whatever, chess. Classy. Class C. Class, oh, class C. C. Yeah, whatever that means. <laughs> he was a classy chess player. He was like, a, I mean? he, was like a, he was a mediocre chess player, but sure. good enough to write stories and know... Know the lingo oh, enough the, to appease the, the... The Fubinacci defense. It reminds me of like... A, in Princess Bride, when they're sword fighting, and they're like, "Ah, I see you know uh, Agrippe," you know, and right, all right. The I, I mean, the it's kind of sounds ridiculous to say to be like, I like the chess part of it because if you don't like the chess part of it, you're gonna fucking hate the show. But I love that it the show it, it makes it really exciting. Yeah, well, and it never, and I think that's because it never like talks down to you at all. Like, I mean, even to the point that when the game is introduced, it's a really experienced player not talking down to a nine-year-old and being like, be better. So, yeah. Like, you like, you rise up to where the show wants you to be. And I think that if you are, I mean, if you are into it, like, holy shit, that's got to be so good. Because the thing kind of feels like, a, you know, you imagine the people, you know, there's that scene where they're playing that final, I think, in Ohio or whatever, and the, the, the hipster cowboy chess master guy is like, the U.S. Open and all that shit, like, thousands of people go to that. And, like, who's here watching this? And it's, like, you know, those sad 30 people or whatever. Sure. But everything that, like, all of the drama going on between her and the other guys and, like, it's, it's like a behind-the-music for ch- chess stars. You know? Right. It's, like, how interesting is this match if you knew that she was getting her ass beat in speed chess all night last night and lost, like, $300 or whatever. Well, and the fact that these are, like, they're so young... You yeah, know, like you're dealing with like the these, age factor these, is these teenage so key. prodigies who have plans to retire by the time they're 21. Yeah, like it's fucking crazy. Right. When you have you know even guys like like Borgoff or whatever is like a four year old prodigy who's now in his 50s or whatever. Yeah. Like yeah, and he's someone who's and he's just like the most just respected grandmaster in the world. Yeah. You know. Great fucking character. Boss level, you know? Or, like, a classic sports, like, oh, you're gonna play this team again that you lost to the first time. Kind of energy, Mm. you know? And they became her allies and stuff. That is one of the only parts of the show that I didn't love. I didn't love that it was constantly these, like, fucking weird skinny white boys coming back to be like, I can help you do this. Yeah, they that always kind of her. that bugged me a little then bit. Then she has sex with them. They get a little hung up on her. She's like, Yeah, nah. I just wanted to learn. I just came to learn. I just I just came to win. <laughs> I just came to learn to win. Like that that stuff. I I understand why all that is there, but like I don't know. Well, that was, that's a 1983 shit. Yeah, it was written. Yeah, exactly. You know. And one of the things I told you is that I thought this story was going to deal with a little more. And I don't know how accurate it really is to how things would have been, but like, I I know chess is like notoriously sexist environment. Right. Like it's a lot, which is pretty common when you're in a place where it's like 
guys who think they're the smartest guys in the room, like it's yeah, generally right. are you're getting fifty of them are together. Are generally at once. pretty toxic, you yes. know, toward women. But I know that a lot of like, ch- you know, people say like, why aren't there more chess grandmasters that are women? It's like because they weren't allowed to play. Or they would have been like so made to be so uncomfortable that right. they wouldn't even want to play. Well, there's the there's that little cutaway in the final match between her and Borgoff at the what is that? That's the World Open or something or yeah. the, the Moscow Invitational or whatever yeah, that is. The biggest uh, in Russia. And she and as she enters, it cuts to the the woman who is the like Russian women's champion. But she's not allowed to play in that tournament because she's a, like a Russian woman. So right. You, you can be an international female. But... Yeah, and that was that was interesting that they they did have like nods to that, but I really feel like I was gonna say. I mean, I th- I, think I was that expecting... there is a lot of masculine toxicity that's going through it. You that's know? true. That's true. It's a. I mean, Borgov's not great. No, nobody's really great. Yeah. Nobody's really great. I mean, she's kind of like it. It. it it's a great like story of like a like a genius or like someone it's like an artist or something or it's mm-hmm. like when they're painting everything's clear everything goes quiet yeah you know like yeah and that's her relationship with that game is like the positive solace as opposed to addiction stuff addiction and abuse and and you know substance abuse is something that when it's in TV and film I I have to hold it to a really high standard because I think sometimes it can get offensive and it can get like just just so just such a false depiction of what it actually looks like. Right. You know what I mean? And I think that they do so they do such a good job. Of, I mean, obviously they set it up so well. You never cheer so hard. You'll never cheer so hard for a nine year old to go get her fucking meds. Yeah. As you will in this show. But and also like, like a precursor to you know, Ritalin babies kind of energy. Totally. You know? But they do a great job with her, and this is like a Don Draper thing, kind of, too. They do a really good job with her idle hours, and she's like, I do not know what else to do when I'm not playing the game. Right. Like, I have to find fucking something. That's, you know, the way that Don's like, between having a genius idea on the fly and fucking somebody, I don't know who I am. These are the things that I fill this hole with. Yeah. You know, it's that existential hole and like, and you know, I think everybody does need to find valuable, you know, if your thing is going fishing or building a model train or whatever, like find that sure. solace in positive ways, you know, instead of like pounding rails on a Tuesday night or whatever, which just isn't as sustainable Yeah. of a... Uh, of a situation. I really love the touch of her drinking PBR Tall Boys. Yeah. <laughs> her her um, alcoholism is so interesting because it's like something learned from her foster mother in a lot of ways. Huh, Mariel Heller, the filmmaker who I have never seen acted in a movie, I don't think. Oh, she's a director? Yes. She's so good. She's so fucking good in it. She's so good in it. And that... I mean, we're we're just kind of jumping all over the place with the show. Well, okay, let's start with the because fr- her relationships with people kind of timestamp chapters of that. So the first do, yeah. major one is Bill Camp, who we who I, who I, about the way that before. you set me up for it. I thought that he was gonna kind of be in more of it, but he really is. No, he's kind but he's of, spiritually in the entire thing. He's the like yeah, he's the god figure of the game for her. When she goes back to the school at the end, yeah, and sees all his stuff, yeah. like 
that's awesome. Yeah. And really completes completes that. Arc, yeah. But. Well, and then when she uh, walked by, walks when she's like walking away, and the journalists catch her, and she's like says the thing I can't remember what they ask her but she mentions his name again yes. and she's like in print that this time yes the first, she was mad the first article she's like they don't mention this and, and you know that this. he got to you, pr- you know he got to see that article and see that he had that impact cause like it is like when she's this little girl in this orphanage like the two things to bring her solace are that her friend taught her how to save up all the lithium and trip yeah <laughs> <laughs> and she's learning how to play this game from the janitor who's like such a great like gruff taciturn is the word yeah the taciturn teddy bear thing yes. that he does yes. so he, well he, he maybe utters like you know less than 50 words in that entire series oh totally you know? but like deserves an emmy nomination for yeah that every <laughs> word counts yeah absolutely know? that's what's said. the game is over the game is over when you lose like that or you, you know when you resign the game or yeah. yeah that the energy he brings to that is yeah. so like this is a work of art that you're watching yeah you know right away he's so good the the entire cuz i wanted to talk about just the general like art uh, direction of the entire thing is so choice throughout like every room that they're in is so meticulously like wonderfully expressive and like down to the, the the props that are everywhere. I mean, like, and that's part of the PBR thing. Like, it looks fucking great. Right. It's something that we, you know, it evokes something in it's everybody the, who uh, watched the, it. The Mad Men Miss Maisel attention to that era. And I and this is the closest I've seen since Mad Men. I think of like really nailing kind of a tangible '60s. Mrs. Maisel is still like a little yeah, a little still fantasy is a land. little fabulous. You know, right. it's a little stylized. Uh, Mrs. America, I sometimes felt was like a little more stylized, even though I know a lot of Mad Men people worked on that show. Sure. Uh, I'm sure that there's some scene consultant who's worked on all of these. Yeah, probably. Even then, like the way that things are lit, you know, like they they seem to like use or at least imitate natural light in a completely different way that like makes it more fucking lonely when she's in that house by herself getting drunk all the time and it just has a... It's very dark. It's so dark. And, and I love that. The main image that I walked away with is my favorite shit was like her upside down chess games right. like, when she's on lithium. Of you course. know, that just yeah. carries through the Incredible. entire thing. You yeah. Know? I thought that was going to be like a one-time image, but like that's actually how she practices in her head and they're like you practice in your head like you don't even need a board like yeah she's winning she becomes like the state champion or whatever yeah without ever owning a board yeah <laughs> like yeah it's, it's such a it's such a great she was such she is such a great lead character yeah what's her name again anya taylor joy anya taylor joy most who, people know her from the witch yeah yeah that's the only thing i'd known her from and she's great in that she's gonna her she's energy gonna, is so different in this yeah she's gonna be the her and the girl from uh, jojo rabbit are gonna be the leads of the new edgar wright movie which i think is a thing that got okay pushed back called one night in soho or something like that that's supposed to be like really dope okay uh so she's i, I think, like edgar so wright. i think that she's gonna have like a moment now i mean shit she's so her performance is incredible yeah i can see her uh, I can see her winning the Emmy for this. Me too. I think she'll definitely get nominated. I also love that they like kind of they kind of styled her like Sylvia Plath a little bit. 
She's kind of like that dark red, but... Don't, don't they make a Sylvia Plath joke in it? Do they make it? I, maybe, maybe I'm thinking of something else. I don't think I would have missed it if they did, but... the and, she, and Sylvia Plath is blonde, obviously, but they both have that similar... I don't know. That bob or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. Her, like, the evolution of her look is really uh, interesting, like, They also cast the most amazing child actress. To yeah, the little girl is really good. Looks exactly fucking like her. And she doesn't even show up till the second episode. Episode, yeah. Yeah. Kind yeah. of becoming self-actualized. And a lot of that's whatever. the world ar uh, around them, too, you know, that she the kind of moves through the 60s, when by the time she's doing, like, the under-the-eye sure. eyeliner and stuff, you're like, okay, it's, yeah, like, it's it like 67 takes, it now? Yeah, it takes place over, like, seven years or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And there's six... It. We always talk about how much we want good miniseries based off a book. Yeah, so yeah, seven episodes. There will be no season two. No. I sure fucking hope there won't be. Yeah, that would you suck. Know. That would really suck. I mean... They end that in an ending, I think. The ending's really good. I like the I like the last scene a lot. She loves chess. That's kind of the whole thing. She just loves chess. Yeah. <laughs> and that's cool, man. And that's cool. And she's like... And that's the thing that I guess I was a little, like, kind of almost suspicious of is how accepting everyone is of, like, well, you're the best, you know? Yeah. And there's not as much pushback as I think there would be in real life, but, like, right. she is the fucking best. Like, right. that's the thing. It's I think my, fa my favorite two uh, men that kind of cave to her greatness is the two guys who are running the, the booth at the first. Oh, the twins? The twins who were who were so rude to her, and then like when she starts winning, are just like they become her like yeah, uh, like sidekicks. Yeah, those things. I I would have I would have rather had them be like just by her side the whole time than than the multiple boyfriends. Yeah, even though I did I do I you love like, she you like the cowboy guy. I love that character. But the other guy the other guy I liked too was the the guy she beats the guy in that from Harry person. Potter. Is that who that is? Yeah, I was wondering it was, if that's uh, who that was. Neville. Yeah. yeah. No, 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 not Neville, the no, Weasley one. I don't think or, that's who that is. No, he was like the Dursley. Oh, that's who it is. Because he's the same one who's that's in right. uh, Buster Scruggs. That's, yes. Oh, that's right. And the Osmandius. Yeah, he's really, right. and he's really good. So I was excited that's right. to see him show up. The other kid, the cowboy kid, was the Game of Thrones. And he's the little kid from know. Love Actually, which I thought was really funny. Yeah, so those are just like interesting, like. Oh, we recognize those guys, but like don't know why they were kind of like the they went from being like boss levels to being like boyfriend helpers, <laughs> you know, yeah. one after the other. Yeah, just a couple of simps is really what they were. Yeah, I guess so. I did. I, mean, you I know, did like the sequence of her in New York. She did have like affairs cool. with them. Yeah, you know, but then she was like, "We're done." Yeah, and they were like, okay. and and apparently with that French quote-unquote French girl in what oh, I... Oh, yeah. I forgot about this. Like, that is I, I kind of completely that, forgot. That character and that performance are so incorrect. You were like, this show almost made it without a cliche, and then she has an affair with a lesbian or whatever. Well, or was a French woman. Who's, yeah, something. who's like this kind of, you know, like really shitty caricature of like a bohemian French girl living in the village or whatever, and it's just like I not... About that. just does not work. The thing I think that did... It reminds me of the criticism that, that they got on Mad Men about Megan that being was like French, a, but she's Canadian. That was like a sequence that I started like, kind of maybe looking at my phone or tuning out, and then I got turned back into it because she 
she was like, okay, I'll go out for one drink with you. And this is a thing, you know, anyone who, I mean, I think some people have drinking issues can relate to. It's like, one, one, one drink is not going to happen, you know? Yeah. Like, it's hard to have just one drink. Yeah. Um, so she goes to meet that girl, and she's got, like, her first, her first game against the Russian the next morning. It's her second game against him. But yeah. Oh, well... Well, she shows up and is a fucking shit show. Yeah, you know? and that's actually that's how. The, and that, I, that was a great sequence. That's how the show. That's how the show starts. Is she's with, all dehydrated and. Yeah, that's how the show opens. Is with the, the scene of her waking up late for that and showing up to. The oh, morning. that's right. And then it, and then. And that was back. like that was a cool sequence and kind of the only, the excuse for the French girl a little yeah. bit in my mind where I was yeah. like, okay, I'll let it slide because that, was like. I, you know, if you gotta work in the morning, but yeah. a hot French girl asks you out for a drink, like, I what are you gonna maybe, do? Maybe if the performance were a little stronger, it might have worked. Or if just uh, that character didn't pop in just for that. Like That character was they... only in that one episode, I think. One she, I think she might split over. She might lay over. She might run over into the second one. She but... was buddies with the cowboy. Yeah. Like yeah, that. she looks like one of these French girls on your wall. No one looks like Bridget Bardot. Well, you know. <laughs> what else, so what, do you have any other take I the that second half of the season was not as like breathtaking as the like the first three episodes like up to like li- up to her losing that first match against Borgoff and like her mother dying yeah that's the best stuff spoilers then then it's all kind of a kind of a sandwich like a big Dagwood sandwich of like alcoholism Pill popping, chest matches. Well, and the, and then the matches get less frequent a little bit. Yeah. Because she's like just playing the big tournaments and not just not just rising up the ladder. Well, and I do like that it did. Like you said, it wasn't like the heavy-handed arc of like you gotta get clean, but it was kind of like going hand in hand with like if you want to keep rising up the ranks, you gotta get a handle on this stuff. Yes. You know, and that was just kind of like implicit in her journey she was taking already. So it didn't take like this. I was kind of worried it was going to take this sharp turn of like, hey, girl, we're taking you to AA now and we're going to rehab and like Mm. get you cleaned up. Like, Uh you know, I think by I think at the end of that story, she still has like issues with addiction that aren't resolved because that shit doesn't really just get resolved. No, it doesn't. That's not how it works at all. Yeah. But yeah. she kind of gets a handle on it and becomes real good. You yeah. Know? Stay, yeah, stays real good. And Cause... still loves the game. It's also worth noting that uh, I think the guy's name is Scott Frank? Alan Frank? something. The writer? Frank. Yeah, okay. he wrote and directed the entire thing. No, not the writer of the book. No, 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 him, but the, the guy who... Yes, the guy who directed this whole series... He's been working on it he has for a couple. A he has time. a couple of car writers, and I'm sure that there was a writer's room or whatever, but he's got the credit for... Directing all of the them. The whole... Th- and writing all of them. Yeah, I think it's been something... It doesn't easy. happen a lot. Well, I think it's been in development hell as a movie for a long time. Yeah. And they kind of were like, here's the right way to do this, which is what we've talked about before. Take it. It's a novel. You can't do it in an hour and a half. You can do it in six episodes, though. And even that might have been a little long. I, I think I was like thinking... Because I watched it when it first came out, and I was like... They probably could have lost one of those and tightened yeah, it up, or they, yeah, in some places. But I mean, I wasn't. I there's a reason it's number one worldwide. No, totally. And I was, you know, and we talked about this the whole time that I was watching it. 
I have like not been this excited to like come home and get back to a show. Yeah. As I have in like a fucking long time. It was time. funny because we were supposed to record almost a week ago, and you were like just started watching, and you're like, you know what? Let me watch this. Yeah. And then we'll record, and I was like, great. That's, yeah, that's and then we were going to record the next day, and I was like, no, I have to finish it. <laughs> oh, well, you had, you know, it was in the middle of your work week. I think it came out when I, on one of my days you, off. You, like, I, you basically I, like I, a week ago, two weeks ago. Yeah, like, I started watching it, you know, in the, in the evening, and I was like, I'll watch a couple episodes of this, and I was up all goddamn night. <laughs> yeah. Was like, I was really, like, furious to have to go to bed, because I was like, God damn it, I want to watch more of this, but... yeah. And I hear the book is like that too, where it's like super. It's clear. It's, it's very like engrossing, that. and you just yeah. want to keep going and know what happens. Yeah, it's like fucking taking drinks, man. Like it, you know. Yeah, you want you get a little. You just want more. You get a little bump of that, that chess action. Man. I do kind of wish that this had been released week to week because I think that it would have held up really well, and I kind of and, and I wish as, I as far as the news cycle. And I right. wish that I could have had it in my life for two months instead of three days. I think um, it, I told you that I think if it came out week to week, it might not have gotten the attention that it has gotten. Just because I think a lot of people just binge watched it. I know my mom did. Yeah. You know, I know a couple other people I've talked to. My mother hasn't it. started it and she's killing me. I'm like, come the fuck on. Get you're on gonna, it. Get on it, mama. You're going to love this. You're going to like it. Do you have any last thoughts on it? You want to? You want any last takes? You um, fire I off? just really want to see more adaptations like this. Well, know? I have. I kind of want to read this book. I think you and I should maybe do a book club on it. I wouldn't be, mind. I'd be curious. Depending on how many pages. Or those. some of the maybe one of the. I'd go over three. Maybe one of the other like, because it seems like he writes about you know pool or yeah. chess or cards or something. Yeah, I've heard. I've heard people like speak Aaron Sorkin sure. kind of shit. I, I can see Molly's game living in a similar universe to this, you know. So, since we're, I mean, we're way over fucking time. We've just, like, we've, right. we've been talking a lot tonight, but... Well, you asked me if I had anything else to say. But the, but to your last point, there is there is another show, and I, don't, I know you've watched some of this, you can maybe fire off some takes. There is another show that is similar to this, that's a... Oh, yeah. A short episode order of a novel adaptation. That's right. That I've been... I've watched the first three episodes. Did you watch the first two, or have you seen all Just three? the first two. I keep, I, for, I should have watched that yesterday. I forgot about it. That's okay. The This is HBO's The Undoing. Yeah, which I'm not crazy about the title. Because just a show released last year called the called uh, Undone, Undone, that I was a big fan of. Very different. We both really like that. And I'm sure this... That was on both our top fives. Yeah. I'm sure this is just the title of the book, but still, still, this is the this is the brand David, brand confusion. Yeah, this is the David E. Kelly, who did Big Little Lies. Yep. And what did he do in the night? Was he was he Beverly Hills or was he uh, Melrose Place? Oh no, he was Melrose, I think. Or Party at Five. I don't know. That's all. That's not my era. I all. don't know. The only, uh, Party of Five is the only one of those I ever watched a little bit of, and I only remember uh, Jennifer or Hewitt. What's her name? Jennifer Love Hewitt. Jennifer Love Hewitt would pull her sleeves up over her fingers, and girls are doing that now again. Yes, it's like a thing. That's a big girl move. I mean, I do that too. I so I have a couple notes on this, and just just on the off chance that anyone who listens to this is watching this show, do you have, do you have any takes? Um, I am kind of curious where it's going. <laughs> not the greatest 
review that you like want to hear about your show? I am kind of curious where kinda, it's going. I'm kind of on board. But it's I really wish like Laura Dern or Reese Witherspoon would show up. Because I just Nicole Kidman's just a little. It's a just, little slow on her own. It's kind of yeah, funny. It's like it's because it feels so much like Big Little Lies. It's just in Manhattan instead of Monterey. Yeah, because Lily Rabe is doing Reese Witherspoon. Well, she's doing. She's also doing Laura Dern. She's doing like. Both. She's doing all. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and like it like reminds me of like the the person who was like a junior, on like a like a mostly senior basketball team or something like that, and then they like. Reese and Zoe Kravitz and Laura Dern like all go to college and now Nicole Kidman's the the old kid with like all of the people who didn't get to play last year because the the good people were there. Sure. And like and I love Lily Rabe, don't get me wrong. And I and I like Donald Sutherland and I like Hugh Grant, I guess. It's kinda like that song that that girl who was in Destiny's Child made with Nelly. Who wasn't Beyonce. Yes. Kelly Kelly Rollins. Yes. And you know, yeah, good, good song. Just uh, yeah. you know, not not single ladies. Y- yeah. No. Or or. <laughs> yeah, totally. Bootylicious, even. The okay, so I just have like one. I have like one question for you about this show. Why the fuck does the media care so much about this murder? Does it um, not seem like a little much to you? Yeah. It seems weird that anyone, that there, that there's like, weird that anyone would give a fuck. Yeah, like you're in New York City, people get murdered all the time. Yeah, and people have affairs, and you know, and like why are there and, thirty and reporters? Kill their lovers. Why are there thirty reporters outside of a fucking private elementary school? Yeah, that was weird. It is seems, that on the newest one, or is that? It's like it's on one? it's on the second one and the third one. The third one, the third one. Uh, did not move things along until the very last second, and you're like, oh, there we go. I was kind of, like, pulled back in a couple times. I'd start to lose interest, and then i get pulled back yeah, in. Yeah, that, that happens to me, too. You know, so there'd be, like, this kind of seesaw of, like, oh, that girl died. And then, like, ten minutes of uh, her, like, kind of just wandering around Central Park. There's like, sort of, there's some dithering. Like, stare, like, do you remember the movie, and I guess it's just because it's a, maybe it's a redheaded woman that connects it but do, there was a movie with uh, Juliette Lewis or not Juliette Lewis Julianne Moore she's like looking for her son and her son's like missing and like it's like a science fiction story like the government like took her son because he had like a plague or something and everyone's like gaslighting her and being like your son doesn't exist or whatever <laughs> and that's almost what this like energy was like her running around and being like I don't understand. My, yeah. My husband is having an affair with this woman that I wanted to have an affair with. I, yeah, you know. You're right. There, and there's a little bit of like, man, you should have just fucking told him about how weird that chick was. Why didn't you just tell them that? Yeah. I mean, she was clearly fucking weird. Yeah. But I wasn't expecting her just to get like murdered. Murdered. Murked. Yeah. The detective character kind of drives me crazy. Yeah. Everyone's kind of like, eh. It's funny. I thought it was kind of funny that Hugh Grant was such a horn dog, and then you're like, oh, he's a murderous horn dog. That's why they, he had. That's why everything he also, said he, was like, let me fuck you in the shower, baby. Like, isn't Hugh Grant? Kind of, isn't he sort of weird in this part? Yeah, 
No one, se- no one seems like the first choice. I think they're trying. I think Hugh Grant's trying to figure out what to do with his career. Yeah, he's weird in The Gentleman too. Oh, that's right. You just watched The Gentleman. Yeah, he's like the one telling the story, but he's like sleazy little pervert. Uh huh. He says lots of sexual stuff in that too, and he's no. This is a guy who has a history. I think it's like a self-referential thing because they're like, yeah, he got in trouble for back in the '90s for picking up a prostitute. That's I right, think. and like. Was he was was it him or was it Matthew McConaughey that was like playing bongos naked with a prostitute? That was McConaughey. McConaughey. That was McConaughey. He was like tripping balls playing bongos. And who who slept with the maid? Was that Jude Law? Uh, Schwarzenegger did that. He knocked up his maid. Jesus. Uh, I mean, Eddie Murphy picked up a prostitute. Henrik Gibson impregnated his I maid. Mean, there's a lot of these. I mean, that's many, that's an old that's an how old many what is like the one guy who knocked up his mate and the one guy who got a prostitute like, come on, but it's almost like uh, they're being self aware with Hugh Grant doing that. That's funny. Which is kind of weird. It is weird. Well, we'll watch watch them watch the they'll they'll be a new one out on Monday. Watch both of them. Okay. And we can keep talking about this. Not that I think it's gonna end well, but I. I'm curious. I'm curious. I, I need to know how the like fuck it ends. I'm curious. Because I'm pretty sure I know how it I'm, Do you want to make your prediction now? I'm not the only person who's saying this. I, I think so. Honestly, that's. I think that's part of the reason I'm not more intrigued right now, is because they just, they set up like no suspects to our knowledge as viewers. Like, there's nothing for me to be like. That's a good point. Predictions about. You know? Yeah, yeah so it happens you, very quickly. When you say it's well, that seems like the most obvious one, sure. Because, like, who the fuck else would it be? Who else have we met in this right. circle? A couple of other white women. Yeah. It's also, like, the whitest show. Somehow somehow makes Big Little... <laughs> he makes Brian Gumble look like Malcolm X. <laughs> yeah, it is uh, painfully white. And it's also funny because they're both, like, not Americans. So at least when you're watching Big Little Lies, you're like, well, you know, Reese and Laura Dern, like, they're fucking killing it. Yeah. Killing it. Yeah. Adam Scott. (laughs) And this is like, you know, okay, let's take it to New York. They're, they're now, now instead of going to therapy, she's the therapist and her husband's a doctor too. Oh, they're both very smart. But it's what, what, it work. it's like she's still being Celeste because it's like, it's like, it feels so It feels like she's on fucking... Zoloft or something, you know. I feel like Nicole Kidman is. That makes me want to do a rewatch of Big Little Lies season two. And be like, oh, she's just she's just high all the time. She's like Johnny Depp smoking blunts on set. Wow, tough weeks for Johnny Depp. Oh yeah, well I guess yeah he got fired from. (laughs) We're like doing. I mean, he got fired from J.K. Rowling. Should I think he's like I happily. Wait. Fucking, I'm walking away from this trash fire for our Patreon listeners. Sure. So, do you have anything else on the undoing? Uh, change the title of the show. Uh, okay. So, we're going to call it there. You're welcome. Bye-bye.
Someone give us your Apple Plus login info. Bada boom.